I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, folks. Welcome back and to this episode of the Leading Up SB Nation podcast. And, um... Let's just say the curse of the Minnesota Twins in the playoffs is alive and well. And longtime curse doubter Andrew Jibo is here with me. Andrew, do you believe now or are you still a doubter of the curse? I'm a doubter of the curse, but I just, <laughs> Come I, just on, think man. That it, I just think that it's so it's it's incredible what has happened since 2004 over 16 years, like 18 games. And you haven't won a postseason. I don't know if it's a curse or it's what it impossible. is. It's impossible. It's literally I, not possible to do. I, I well, it is possible because it's happened. Yes, but like. But I will say that heck? after this season, I am beginning to understand <laughs> the pain and the agony of Twins fans because this is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean. I mean, I kind you go you go into this series here. You're playing Houston. It's finally not New York. You've lost 16 playoff games in a row. You're going all right. This team they went 29 and 31. They're very beatable. This Twins team is great. They're going to end their postseason woes. And what do they do? They go out get seven hits over two games and two runs. It's 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 just an embarrassment. It's, and the only guy that yeah. was able to drive in runs is 40 years old and wears a robe. <laughs> so like, yeah. Or just it even was, hit a you know, ball, it, man. It it's was incredibly, It's incredibly painful, and it's really unfortunate because, you know, last week when we were on the show and we, and we were previewing this, this series against the Astros, we were in agreement that, hey, this, this is a good matchup for the Twins. <laughs> they have an opportunity to break this, this curse, if you want to call it that, and flip the narrative, and then it's just, oh, wait, no, just kidding. They still can't win the postseason. Yeah, it, it, and it wasn't even like competitive games. It was it was just, what are we doing? You'd get to the seventh inning, it'd be one to one, and you'd go, "This game's over." Like the Twins don't have a chance. They have two hits. Yes, it's like, are you kidding? Yeah, it's like you knew they were gonna lose, and, and it's it's it's, 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 a, it's crazy. It's just I don't understand. And it was Sesto's of Twins Daily. I think he tweeted out like. This game is tied, but why does it feel like we're losing? Right. And that was just both games. It was like, it, it, it sucks because through all these years, it's like the Twins haven't had the starting pitching to get them a win in the playoffs. They get to 2020 here. Both Maeda and Barrios are outstanding, and the offense can't score two just runs. can't do anything. Literally and, nothing. In game one, the one run they scored was because Josh Reddick forgot how to play a ball off the wall. <laughs> Yeah, it was, oh, no, it's just crazy. Like, this team that was built to hit the baseball, like, to score 10 runs a game, goes out and scores two over two literal, like, win-or-go-home games, like the second and, one, obviously. But and the, and the other kind of unfortunate part of this is the Minnesota Twins, man, we let the 
cheating Astros back into yep. the postseason. Yeah, and they're all, like, we they, were the yeah. we were the gateway for this team. Like, we had the opportunity to stop them and say, no, you don't belong here. Yep, and instead it was the exact opposite. Now they're using it as like, we're the underdogs here. We're the team you should be rooting for. You know, it's like, <sighs> shut up. But can't say anything because the team I cheer for. Went and got stomped on two nights in a row, two days in a row. And just not even, like, not even competitive ball. Right. Just no fire in them, except for when Rosario got stupidly ejected for his last play in a Twins uniform. I get it. Okay, he shouldn't have been ejected, obviously. But you got to watch it. And it was the, I hate that the umpire ejected him. It was stupid, but. You still got to watch yourself. It was, and George Springer is in the dugout. George Springer's right. chirping, and he doesn't get tossed. But Eddie and he just... hit a bomb. Springer, yeah, there. wow. Of course. So did so did Correa. So oh, you know. okay, yeah. or was it Springer? Maybe I'm wrong. I believe it was yeah. Correa who okay, hit that yeah, my one bad. game too. And right, okay. And then the the the, the Polanco play. <laughs> God. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh my God. Yep, you get the easy ground ball to get out of the inning. To go, I think it'd be, was, would it be the bottom nine? Tied it would have been, it would have bottom nine tied. And it's easy and, to throw up his life. He makes it 99, no, 999 times out of 1,000. And he messed it up. Just bad throw. All right, came off the bag. Lucky, got a glove on it. And they got, seen, they got the winning run. I've seen some, I heard some people trying to pin this on a rise. And it's like, what? If he has to dive for the ball, it's not his fault. Arise. Jorge, Jorge Polanco made a terrible throw. Right. It t- and it basically, it was, the throw was like a summary of just how his season overall went. Just an absolute embarrassment. Disappointing season all around for him. I, I guess Rocco said he had a lingering injury all season, but what an awful year for Polanco. Just capped off, capped off and highlighted by a terrible throw that potentially cost the Twins the series. It did. It, it really did. You know, I feel like if they go in the bottom of the ninth, they're still tied. It's a whole different ball game. But they ended up being what four to one in the bottom of the ninth, and it and it was just it was over. I, and then people, you know, they want to blame Romo for that loss there in game one. And it's like, yes, Romo could have pitched better. Yes, he put runners on base. Yes, he walked in a run with the bases loaded. I understand that, but Romo did his job. Yeah, he got he the ground ball that would have ended the inning. Yeah, and uh, you know, I guess you could say he's got to pick up his infield, got to you know make, get the next guy. But it, it's yeah, Polanco messed it up big time. And in the playoffs, if you don't make that throw, it's obviously going to come back to bite you, unless the Astros make an error in which the Twins just go, all right, we'll get the next three out. Don't worry. But yeah, it's yeah, just just sad. And it as, was it was expected though. I mean, <laughs> I and, can't and lie. I- and I think now might be a good time to revisit what our keys to the postseason was and right yes. and, and, and what we thought might propel this team to victory and yes. how none of it happened. Because we had talked about Max Kepler, Miguel Sano, the health of Buxton and Donaldson in the bullpen. Well, Kepler didn't do anything. Miguel Sano didn't do anything. The closest thing he did to doing anything was a little dribbler that Alex Bregman Bregman makes a great play on. Yep, and but that yeah, was it. He's all around for 
of course, the whole offense, but Sano was terrible. Kepler was no good. The whole team, offensively, obviously, except for Nelson Cruz, was just a disappointment. Highlighted, we're going to highlight those two just because we did talk about them since they were coming back, and they were keys to the Twins coming into the year, and it just, it didn't work out at all. Like, and then you mentioned Buxton and Donaldson before the series. Donaldson, it's announced he's not going to play. You know, the didn't play a game. Signed, right, signed for four years, biggest contract in Twins history. Doesn't play in the playoffs. Played 28 games total this year. Just a disappointment all around. And then Buxton did play game one, right? Yeah, and then he did not play game two for... He, hit, uh, he no, pinch three. ran. He pinch yeah, ran in right. game two and gets picked off. Yeah, and then got kneed in the head by the... Yeah, it was pretty terrible. Just... He obviously had a concussion. He was wearing sunglasses on the base paths and, you know, a day when right. no one else is really wearing sunglasses. They throw it first. He gets picked off, gets kneed in the head. It's like just a disaster of a situation for him and, and the team. And, and the bullpen, I don't know, they weren't, like, awful. But, you know, we talked about Romo. And, and yes, like, Romo had some bad luck there with Polanco not fielding the ball. Rogers had some struggles. And then... It was Stashak, yeah, relieved Barrios, which we'll talk about the only five innings from Barrios and that whole situation. But the bullpen really didn't do much to help this team either. So the, 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 the four points that we had emphasized as being like the key to this team succeeding the postseason, all four of them didn't happen. And they didn't play a game in October because of it. Yeah, I, I mean, I hate to pin the bullpen when the offense, like even to just right. mention them when the offense got seven hits, like even if the bullpen was lights out, the Twins don't win. It's like they weren't like they weren't awful. It's just they're they're right. highlighted. Their struggles are by the fact that the Twins scored two runs. <laughs> exactly. It, it is just it was a very frustrating debacle of a series. If you even want to call it a series, a two game sweep. Right. Yep. And just to kind of to cap off the how bad of a series this was and how disappointing all around, game two, Twins have Jose Barrios on the mound. For six years or whenever he came up, the Twins have been going, all right, we need this guy when it comes to playoff time to be the horse. We need him to be the guy who goes out and wins a game. And game two was that day. He went five innings, went th- through 75 pitches, gave up just one earned run. And Rocco goes up to him and goes, all right, your stats say you're going to be bad against in the third time against the order. And we're going to bring in Cody Stashak in a move I just hate. Jose Barrios was pitching his – it's the playoffs. Playoffs are not the regular season. You mid, Mid-July, you make that move, I guess. Sure, whatever, I don't care. Playoffs, you do not bring in Cody Stashak in a – was it a tie game at the time or twins down by one? But either I way – I think we're down by one, okay, yeah. Yeah. The playoffs are a different animal. You keep your best starting pitcher in the game at 75 pitches and let him keep shutting down the Astros lineup. Maybe he struggles out there. Oh, well, that's, you know, then it's Jose Brios. You leave him out there. I don't know. I hate the move. I know you don't like it either. I, I don't like it one bit. And I, I'm going to preface this by saying maybe, maybe I'm old school, whatever. Sure. I genuinely miss seeing elite starting pitching dominate for seven, eight innings in postseason baseball. Six. Go six. Just, it's like five like, innings. What? Ugh. And I understand the analytics behind it. Right. I'm not facing a lineup for the third time. And, I, and I'm not trying to discredit that here. But Pedro Mart, what happened to days of Pedro Martinez? 
Yeah. I mean, it's, you re- rewind six years ago. Look what Madison Bumgarner did in the World Series, right? You, you, you need that level of dominance from a starting pitching staff to have postseason success. And yeah, Jose Barrios wasn't dominating the Astros. He had one whiff through five innings, but he was pitching well enough to right. to go six innings, maybe into the seventh inning. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and it's just right. no, nah, you're done. <laughs> no. <laughs> like what do you what do you say? It's game two of the playoffs. You win or go home. You're Jose Brios. Your manager comes up to you, you're pitching, you're you're pitching great. You have enough, you know, you're doing good. Hey Jose, you're doing really good, but you suck when the third time of the order rolls around. So we're uh right. we're pulling you for a second year. Cody Stashek was, like, was who imploded in the playoffs last year. It's like okay, you've lost at this point. They yep. had lost 17 postseason games in a row. Their backs are against the ropes. They're facing elimination. Your second best pitcher on your team is on the mound, and and it's just. You're done. <laughs> We're going to bring in Cody Stashak. For two innings. He went out for the sixth, did well. Like, okay, then fine. You know, fine. He goes up to the sixth, does well. Then you bring in someone else. You don't, he went out for the sixth, he went out for two innings. Cody Stashak. And of course he gave up a bomb. Of course he did. Like, of course he it did. It just makes sense. And it, that just epitomized it. Like, you couldn't let Barrios go six and then have Stashak go in the seventh and throw just one inning. And then Duffy, um, right? And yeah, then exactly. the eighth. There's just there's so many things that they could have done differently, and it's very easy to sit here now on Sunday, and the series has been over for a couple of days, and whatever, <laughs> to look back on it and be that you know quarter, like couch quarterback, armchair quarterback, whatever word you want to use, and say Rocco was wrong, but even in the moment, Rocco was wrong, right? Yeah, oh man, I and. I think maybe he learned, like, after the game, he was making comments like, okay, I get it. This team sucks in the playoffs. Like, I've got to ch- make changes. I've got to, I get it. Like, something's got to change. So maybe he's realizing, maybe, he he did have a bad series managing overall. Also, the Williams SDO pinch hit in game one was what the was, worst thing. Yeah. yeah. Immediate ground into a double play. It's like, whatever. But... Also, the, the Mitch Garver <laughs> pinch hit at bat. Yeah, what the hell was that? I don't know. And then and then they immediately replace him for Avila. <laughs> they used four catchers that game, man. <laughs> and Garver struck out. Right. Unlike four pitches. It was just a horrible at bat. I don't understand why he did that. No, it didn't make any sense. Garver hadn't been playing well all year. Jeffers had been playing well this year. It it made I, I genuinely was shocked by it. It just made no sense. But it was just kind of another move. This series of bad moves, like, ugh. And, but and I, yeah. and I guess the last thing I'll say on the on this topic is right. It, and this isn't like a Rocco Baldelli specific thing, but managers in general they tend to do things in the postseason that they would never do in the regular season, and and it always just kind of begs the question to me of why are we doing this, right? Like, okay, in this sixty game season, the Twins won what 36, 37 games. Yeah, around there, sure. I okay. don't know the exact number. So you, you win 36, 37 games out of 60 by doing things a certain way. Now, all of a sudden, when your backs are against the wall and you're facing elimination, 
you're going to do something entirely different than what you've done that won you 37 games. Yeah. And you see it all the time in the postseason. Managers do things that they would never do, and it hardly ever works. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, you just think he's – you think hopefully he's learned. Like, obviously, I'm not a better manager or anything. He's really good, but he had an awful series managing the Twins. And, I mean, hopefully he's learned. Hopefully he'll be better next year And because they'll probably be back. Will will, they win a game? It's just, it's tough. We, we hope so. We don't want to go 21. Right. No. Um, and on that same topic of doing things that are out of the ordinary, the emergence of Alex Kirilov in the postseasons. Yeah. <laughs> so all season I was kind of thinking, all right, is it time for Kirilov? And instead it's, <laughs> he replaces Josh Donaldson on the playoff roster. He's never, he hasn't played a game since 2019. I like, okay. Here, I mean, I like to call it. Kirloff's great. I love that he's playing for the Twins. But why wouldn't you have called him up earlier instead of having his first game be an elimination game, right? I mean... Right. His <laughs> first major league at-bat is the bases loaded with two <laughs> outs in an elimination game. <laughs> like, walk him to the big leagues. Right. Not only first at-bat of his major league career, first at-bat just in general in over a year, like in a baseball right. game, like in a competitive. Yeah. Like it's on a team. I mean, he was in the alternate site and the interest squad. So he was right. getting yeah. at bats doing, things. he's seeing live pitches. It's not like he hadn't seen live pitching in over For a sure. year, but your first competitive at bat against a different color Jersey in a year is your first big league at bat in a postseason elimination game with the bases loaded in two outs. Right. So then the question comes up, why during the season did Lamont Wade come up for two games every month? And why is, you know, or even Jake Cave, why isn't he taking the place of one of them if he's going to be the guy in the playoffs? It just, you know, I didn't make sense. That sucks if that's the reason. I can't imagine, like, maybe, but it just doesn't make sense then to call him up in the playoffs if that is the reason. Like, I don't know. It it's a weird situation. It was a very curious situation. Um, but I was impressed by Kirilov. I mean, he has to get at bats. He made some great plays. And as the, the ESPN broadcast was kind of clowning, I mean, it doesn't technically count as his first big league hit. <laughs> right. Weird. Yeah, so, All around weird. No. Yeah. He did impress. His swings were good. He's been described even by like Trevor May as like Tre- uh, Joe Maurer level bat to ball skills and stuff so i mean who knows but he did emerge i'm excited to see what he can do and he will likely be on the opening day roster where's the question where will he be will he be taking eddie rosario's place in the outfield but he's also been playing first base in 2019 will he go there will donaldson go to dh so back to third i don't know there's a lot of scenarios yeah i mean we opened up we'll touch on that in a little bit here but yeah you know it was just it was strange, but it was also, in a way, kind of welcomed. Yeah. It, and it was just, I felt kind of bad for him to be thrown into that situation, making his big league debut, but he handled himself well, and it's just, it's unfortunate. He really that calm. He did. And so, he made some great plays in right field. Yeah. He did. Kepler should have caught that ball that he had to dive for, but it's a whole different yeah. thing. Wow. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, yeah. So good, but good overall, for good, good for great. Alex Kirilov. He made right. his debut. We all got to see him for a game. <laughs> yeah. So on that note, we're just going to get a quick word here from the sponsors, and we'll move on to upcoming free agents for the season. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, so we are back, and we're going to just touch on some players who will either hit free agency or be brought back this offseason. First up, designated hitter Nelson Cruz, who has expressed interest in coming back, and the front office has expressed interest in bringing him back. So, I mean, he did look a bit slowed down at the end, but what are your thoughts on bringing Cruz back for hopefully just a one-year deal? Do you think he'll want more than one? Okay, so if they can bring him back on a one-year deal, I'm all for it. My one concern, or yeah, one concern, biggest concern, is that with the expanded DH now being in both leagues, likely as a permanent thing, there's going to be so many more suitors for Nelson Cruz that that might create a bidding war. And, and so the only hope is that Nelson Cruz genuinely wants to remain in Minnesota and he's willing to take an annual salary comparable to what he earned last year because I don't think the Twins want to get into a bidding war with 24 other I, I mean, he's, what, 41 now? I can't imagine yeah. there's going to be teams. Like... But look at what he just did. <laughs> but he did slow down at the end with injuries. He the did. Signs he are did. Certainly there. They can't the age, ignore it at this point. Right. The aging is there. I mean, it's what you would expect from a guy in his, right. in his early 40s. But he still produced at a very high level. Like, we had the Twins Daily, you know, awards ranking. Nelson Cruz is my 2020 Minnesota Twins MVP. <laughs> yeah, that is true. See, I'm with you. If you can get him for one year on the same, like, 12 to 15, I do it for sure. But anything more than one year, I'm letting him walk. But that also brings up the question of, okay, like, would you rather commit, let's just call it, I don't know, $14 million to Nelson to a 41-year-old Nelson Cruz or 500000 to Brent Rooker? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're not gonna spit, if you're if you plan on Bauer, right? But oh, they could probably get him anyway. Even like, I don't think Nelson Cruz for 14 would hurt the Twins' chances of getting a guy like Bauer. 
So it I probably wouldn't. Through. Yeah, absolutely. Just, especially I mean, on a one-year deal. Now, yeah, exactly. Now, now, if another team comes <coughs> in a bidding bidding war, and all of a sudden his price goes up to twenty-six million, right? Then I'm done. I think the Twins are out for sure. Yeah, I mean, maybe crew. You know, maybe he is looking for the money, and he's able to get up to the tw- or low twenties. I stop at fifteen. I think he's good. Uh, he's really good, but he's gonna be forty-two. 41-42. Exactly. And, and, and it's got to be smart about that. And I think anything beyond a one year is stupid. Maybe Absolutely. a one year with like a mutual team option. option. Yeah, team or mutual option. No player option. It's going to be tricky. I think there's a lot of mutual interest. I would be happy to bring him back at a reasonable price on a one-year deal. Yeah, I'm absolutely with you. And, I mean, not much more you can say there. You know, DH, hopefully he can get back for the same price he was already on. So moving on there, um, two bullpen guys we can kind of lump together. Uh, Trevor May and Tyler Clippard are both going to be. May, May, the fireballer in the bullpen, and Clippard, the guy who was just kind of signed for five mil this year and was top three reliever for the Twins. Like, I would love to have both of them back. I mean, yeah, I mean, if they can for, like, under 10 mil each, but I don't know how that's going to work out, especially with this year's uh, – money just how players how much players it's gonna be we have no idea how that's gonna go right now but i would love to have them both back yeah the free agent in general um is is going to be tricky just given the the covid shortened season and the lost revenue and and how willing ownership is going to be to commit to big you know big money uh but certainly trevor may and tyler clifford are, are two guys that i would absolutely love to see them bring back I think Tyler Clippard is a much easier option to bring back. I don't necessarily see a lot of league-wide demand for Tyler Clippard. No. Uh, but with Trevor May, I can see it. You know, he has the, the high-velocity fastball. He has the stuff to potentially be a borderline, if not elite, bullpen arm. So there is that attractiveness to him. And and it's the same thing, I guess, with Nelson Cruz. And it's like, if, if the bidding war gets out of hand, no, I'm not going to bring Trevor May back for an obscene amount of money. But if the Twins can retain him for a reasonable amount, absolutely. Like, like do it. He's a good bullpen arm. For sure. And Trevor May is like, if the right team gets a hold of him, he could turn into the next Ryan Presley. Like, just one of the best arms in baseball, in my opinion. He's got the stuff. Like, the Twins could be that team. They just haven't yet. Maybe a fresh team gets him, and he turns into one of the best relievers in baseball. Like, he's certainly got the stuff, I think. And, you know, if it's some other team gets him for 10 mil and turns him into that, well, then you're like, well, what the heck? But I, I do hope for the best for both of them, obviously. I'd love to see May do really well. I love the guy. But, yeah, I don't know if he ends up back in the Twins uniform. Yeah, again, I, I think Clippers more of a lock to come back. Um <coughs> Yeah, Trevor May, I'd love to see him back, but I won't be surprised if he ends up going elsewhere. But it's certainly in the Twins' best interest to do what they can to bring him back right. for 2021. For sure. And yeah, next guy, another bullpen arm. Sergio Romo, although the Twins do have a $5 million, uh, club option on him. Do you accept it, or do you decline? Like, that's... T- I, I might... Um, man... 
I might decline. I think I decline right now. I think Romo kind of slowed down at the end. I decline and try to get him back for a cheaper price, maybe, but I don't want to pay him five mil. So I'm going to say accept it. Um, I feel like if you decline that option and you try to bring him back for cheaper, you run the risk of him just kind of saying, screw you. And, and looking to go elsewhere, I think even at, in, in his late 30s, Sergio Romo is certainly still a very serviceable major league bullpen option. Uh, you know, is he an all-star level dominant late inning guy that he once was? Realistically, no, he's not. Um, but he's still a guy that can make a lot of bullpens a lot better. And they have that easy option to bring him back at $5 million, which isn't overly expensive. So, absolutely, go ahead and bring back Sergio Romo. Yeah, so say it's like the same with the Cruz situation. Like you said, would you rather have Cruz for 14 or Rooker for 500 k It's like, right. I'd like Romo back, but would I rather have Romo for 5 mil or, screw, I don't know, another version of Jorge Alcala, just another guy they can call up, be just as good as Romo for 500 k Like, I think Romo is kind of on the downswing, like, for sure like Cruz but much more dramatic he just didn't look good at all to me at the end of the year and if he does if I would not accept the op- the option That's yeah but I mean it, five million dollars though really isn't that isn't that steep For even sure, though I, I yes we are talking good. we are talking about a guy who's entering his age 38 season I still think it's worth it for the twins to pick up the option pay him five million dollars and just have a guy like Sergio Romo in their bullpen, who, yes, is not going to be an all-star. He's not going to light the world on fire, but he is also a phenomenal clubhouse guy. And that does carry some weight, right? You do need those guys on your team that are a positive influence in the clubhouse, and Romo is absolutely that guy. And he is still a capable, serviceable major league pitcher. So absolutely, pick up the option, $5 million, keep Sergio Romo on your roster. All right. at, least for me, at least for me, it's almost sure, a no-brainer. Sure. Okay. And, you know, this decision will be made here and soon. It won't, no matter what they do, it won't make or break the team in any way. Five mil will not hurt. And we'll, when it happens, we'll talk about it, discuss what we think of it. But, yeah. Right now, I do not. You do. That's interesting. But we'll, you know, not something to get upset over. If they accept it, I won't. Like, okay, cool. But <laughs> moving on to the final guy on this list that we are going to talk about here, Jake Odorizzi, who I have no idea about. He pitched every time he pitches here. He got hurt and was immediately put back on the IL. He was not using the playoffs for some reason. Like, oh, I mean, man, if he would have hit the market last year, he would have got a Zach Wheeler type deal, but now he's hoping yeah. for like a one year, 15 mil. It's looking like just to redeem himself. I have no idea. Absolutely. And, and I, and I kind of <laughs> feel for, I kind of feel for Jake a little bit, you know, Absolutely. he, he, he accepted the qualifying offer to take a gamble on himself. And then things out of his control happened. We had the COVID shortened season and then he gets the injuries and you don't necessarily get, a real picture of where Joe, Jake Odorizzi is at right now in his career. He is in his 30s. I think he's 30 or 31. And it's now, I think it's going to be a tough free agent market for Jake Odorizzi. 
And I think it absolutely is in his best interest to, again, take a one-year deal in that $15, $16 million range. And if you have a healthy Jake Odorizzi for $15 million a year, that's a pretty solid investment. This, this guy was an all-star in 2019. Jake Odorizzi is a very good pitcher, right? And the Twins yes. aren't necessarily loaded with starting pitching depth outside of Maeda and Barrios. So absolutely, bring back Jake Odorizzi on a short-term deal and slot him in behind Maeda, Barrios, and then you have Odorizzi, and that's a really good front three. I agree. If he's willing to take that one-year redemption, prove-it type deal, then absolutely do it. That's a just a – I mean, we talked about kind of before the season. Just uh, Yeah, just like if you got those three in a rotation, it looks really good. And it looked even better with how Maeda pitched last year. It's just, yeah, if they're all healthy, it's good to go. Just to recap this segment here, I'll ask you, out of these five, which which ones, as many as you want, will be on the team next year? Hmm. All right, uh, Nelson Cruz, Jake, o- Jake Odorizzi, and Sergio Romo. Ooh, all right, I'll go Cruz, Odo, and Clippard. Okay. <laughs> so we and had we'll the, we, right. we we had two of the same. Right. I mean, Cl- and you know, Clippard and Romo. Like I, you know, I had touched on. I think bringing back Clippard is kind of a no-brainer. Depends on if he gets other offers, but at least with Romo, they have the option, and so that's why I went with Romo. No, I get because it. Yeah. there is club control there. Uh, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Clippard over Romo. Yeah, and I guess we'll see. Maybe we'll both be wrong. It'll only be you know just Trevor May, which would be weird. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess we both did both uh, yeah. count out Trevor May just there, didn't we? We did. I, yeah, I think he's he's going to get a lot of offers, and it's up to the Twins to match that to right. you know, open up the checkbook and, and, and pay Trevor May and and I'm maybe I'm a Polad pocket protector, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I, I don't know if the Polads are gonna want to do that. Yeah, for sure. And this is something we'll go over much more of as the offseason progresses, but just one more thing here to talk about. What could twenty one twenty one look like? Like Alex Kirloff has proven in one. I mean, we've seen him for what one game, but he looks major league ready. He's obviously he's been talked about as major league ready for about a year now. He'll likely be on the opening day roster. Same with you know maybe Brent Rooker fights for that job. Trevor Larnick is Eddie Rosario on the team in twenty twenty one? I don't think so. Yeah, I really don't think so. And and I know I'm in the minority here, but I love Eddie Rosario. Um, I, I, <laughs> people like to hate on him, but Eddie Rosario is a good baseball player. And it, But he is likely going to be gone. I, I don't see the Twins tendering him an $11, $12 million contract, whatever it's going to be with arbitration, especially considering the fact that, hey, we have – Alex Kirloff, Brett Rooker, just ready and waiting. They've shown they can play at this level, and they're about $11.5 million cheaper. So I don't see I don't see any room for Eddie Rosario. I really don't. And, and so that definitely does open up the spot for an Alex Kirloff. I think Alex Kirloff is likely more of your everyday starting outfielder than Brent Rooker is. I think yeah, Brent, sure. Brent Rooker's more of your fourth outfielder, DH, maybe, maybe first base. 
but I do certainly want to see Brooker get at least three to four starts a week. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Kirloff should be hopefully an everyday guy. He's he's it's about time for him. And with Rooker, if he's your fourth outfielder, that's really good. And I think that's what the Twins are likely going to go for. Like, that that's a great bench bet to have. He can fill in. Maybe they'll try to put him back at first base. I know he didn't play there at all in 2019. But, you know, maybe, I don't know, who knows. Kirilov has actually been the guy they put at first base just to because they didn't know they'd be acquiring Donaldson, moving Sano there. But, yeah, right. Kirilov can certainly play first base. He can play left field, right field, you know, DH, so- of course. But, yeah. We and, and we've talked about this before. I don't necessarily want to see Kirloff go into that desert like solely as a DH for sure. I don't want to see a, a rookie do that so early on in his career. But to pivot a little bit, and we didn't necessarily have this plan. But what do the Twins do with with Royce Lewis? You look at the infield: Donaldson, Polanco, Arise, Sano. Where do you really have room for him? <laughs> shortstop if Polanco doesn't pick it up. I mean, honestly, he had the uh, atrocious season. You can't keep putting... Like, if, if Polanco hadn't been so good before, his numbers look like a player you designate for assignment. His 20 right. was awful. No, that's valid. Yeah, it's true. But he was playing injured, and you are talking about it's the true. starting shortstop of the 2019 In a 60-game season, yeah. Right, so like, and I'm not ready to sit here and say Jorge Polanco is not a good baseball player. No, no, he, no, definitely he not. is. Like, he's a very good player, and he made great strides defensively. I just feel like, of all of the top prospects, and I love Alex. I mean, no, I love I love Alex Kirloff, but I, I love Royce Lewis. I just feel that Royce Lewis is kind of the odd man out, and he might be that trade chip. Ah. Uh. I don't think you can do that. I think Arise and Polanco are both very vulnerable to having a spot taken by a potential franchise-changing player like Royce Lewis. Okay. Definitely. I mean, we'll get we can get into this more a different week, but man, yeah, Royce Lewis right now, they've got a he could be the guy like for sure. Him and Kirloff could be that duo that right. the Twins need. They certainly could be, and and that's what I mean by like I, I love Royce Lewis. Like I, right. I absolutely want to see Royce Lewis. In a Minnesota Twins uniform. I just feel like with the way the roster is constructed right now, there's no spot for him. Unless you have extreme <laughs> regression from Arise and Polanco. But Polanco's also tied into a, a contract. Right? They just extended right. they just extended him. True. I mean, he's getting like five to seven mil per year. Maybe. True. Yeah, it's like the the other option would be if if they don't bring back Nelson Cruz and and, and maybe you have the conversation so no with moves the to DH or Donaldson or Donaldson, right? With the calf issue, can we mitigate that by utilizing him as a DH and limiting the amount of time he spends on the field? Now that certainly opens up a spot for Royce Lewis, right? So there's options there. But as it's constructed currently, Royce Lewis is kind of the odd man out. Yeah. I mean, I think Royce Lewis is too good to be that. They, no matter what, they will make room for him. They'll find a way. He, it's like, yeah, there's no way they don't do something to get Royce Lewis in there. He's just that good of a prospect. You've got he to, is. And I mean, yeah, they, they have options, you know. 
as we said, right. one of Donaldson or Sano could easily move to DH within a year or two for sure because Cruz won't be here for that long. Right. And, and, and that move to DH would certainly make that situation a hell of a lot easier. I don't think Royce Lewis is on the roster to start 2021, but I, I, certainly, I certainly think Kirloff and Rucker are going to be on the roster on opening day. Agreed. See, and, I, and, there. and I think Ryan Jeffers starts over Mitch Garver opening day 2021. That, that spring training will have a huge – that'll be a huge battle to watch all spring, I think. It will be. And, and if people have listened to this show all season, <laughs> you know I'm not a huge fan of Mitch Garver, but I want to see the guy do well. Um I just don't think that he's as good as we think he is, and I think Ryan Jeffers is a better long-term option, so I hope that he starts opening day 2021, which is, yeah. what, 147 <laughs> days away? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we'll be here until then every week, Sunday, so, you know, we'll see. I'll see you next week. Are you, are you all good here? I'm all set. Yeah, awesome. we're good. This was a good one. A good podcast. You know, start the off season well. But yeah. <laughs> See you next week. Have a good night.